It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steelers are in full offseason swing, and as free agency starts, are in position to boost their team to being a serious contender, but also face a lot of question marks as to whether they can have this team in a position to be even good. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Every season, every offseason comes with the promise of new additions, talent that could gel together, find new levels to their game, and come together to be a special team. Every offseason also comes with the problems of patching up holes in your roster that if you are unable to sufficiently patch could destroy your season. We saw the harm that can happen when a position is filled, but not filled adequately in the last season on both the offensive and defensive lines. We saw a season really go into turmoil and the Steelers pull out what ended up being a kind of amazing run just to make the playoffs, where they were promptly dispatched uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to look, and a little series I'm doing here, we're going we're gonna to look at the position groups of the NFL and the Steelers 
and look at where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are. And we're going to look at their needs, but we're not going to look at their needs as in they need a center, they need a guard, they need, you know, an inside linebacker. We're going to look at what kind of players the Steelers need at those positions based on the scheme they use, based on their history, uh, different coaching changes. What kind of players does it look like the Steelers are going to be pursuing this offseason? for different openings on their team. We're going to start with the offensive and defensive lines because those are two positions that really, really scuttled the Steelers' season last year. But also, because they're two of the most important positions on the team and two that I think we'll see resolved pretty quickly. Let's start by looking at the offensive line. Players returning to the Steelers who played in games last season actually got offensive snaps. At center, you have Kendrick Green, and that's it. At guard, Kevin Dotson, John LeGlue. That's what they have there. At tackle, Dan Moore Jr., Joe Hegg, and Zach Banner. Zach Banner didn't play this past season, but he has played almost one entire game's worth of snaps for the Steelers in the past, and he is currently on the roster. That's really it. The only people who have played in a game for this team and are on the current roster are Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, John LeGlue, Dan Moore Jr., Joe Hegg, and Zach Banner. Not a very big group and not a very promising group there. The only person on that list who has played multiple games at an NFL starter level, in my opinion, is Kevin Dotson. Kendrick Green has been noted over and over again for his weaknesses in his rookie season coming in and playing center. Dan Moore Jr. has a lot of people high on him because of his run blocking, but his pass blocking was so far below NFL starter level that for me, I have trouble ranking him above Kendrick Green overall. It's just the Steelers schemed their offensive line to kind of cover for Dan Moore Jr. being absolutely terrible in pass blocking, and you were able to utilize his run blocking where Kendrick Green was just getting beat on most plays, just not as badly as Dan Moore was consistently. And it's much, much harder to cover for a center who's not playing well. It Pressure up the middle is pretty devastating. Kevin Dotson is the most proven offensive lineman on this list, and he seems to be perpetually in the Steelers' doghouse. Not enough to cost him his job, but they never seem to be really happy with him, even though he is easily the best player on the field on this offensive line. Key free agent... Heading into this offseason, Chukwuma Korafor, multi-year starter. Not everyone is thrilled with his play, uh, but he has been a solid enough starter to where he was one of the most reliable offensive linemen once Kevin Dotson went down on the Steelers' offensive line, which is, yes, a very serious indictment of this, the quality of the Steelers' offensive line play last season. But also it lets you know that if you have good players elsewhere on the line, Chukwuma Korafor can be your tackle that's not so great, 
right? He can be the weakest link in, a, in an offensive line that's really good, and you're going to be fine. Also, free agents, B.J. Finney and J.C. Hassenauer. Hassenauer was one of the worst players I've seen uh, in 2020, turned it around in 2021, and was actually pretty solid, pretty good player. B.J. Finney had been a very good backup for the Steelers, went to Seattle, that flopped, came back to the Steelers, and didn't look like he had, had gotten back to his 2019 form. Was, wasn't good. So while there's few talents on the, off, on the roster, on the line, there's not many talents lost to free agency. Trey Turner... Uh, had a had a had a good season for what people thought of him. He had kind of a, a revival season in not being terrible. It was better than his year in Carolina, but I don't think he's a long-term answer there. He's clearly not the guy he was when he was younger. That's the state of the line. I mean, people you can pencil in and say, this person will be a good starter for the Steelers in 2022 starts and ends with Kevin Dotson. Dan Moore Jr., I think it's pretty clear he's going to be the starter at left tackle, but any improvement there is, you know, speculation. So let's get into what the Steelers are looking for. With the new offensive line coach, Pat Meyer, the Steelers are probably going to change up some of their pass blocking. Pat Meyer is a guy who fits Matt Canada's zone-heavy run schemes. And he has a slightly different approach to pass blocking, which has worked in the past. He's not, you know, phenomenal. He doesn't have the best results. We're not expecting a, a Mike Munchak turnaround here on this offensive line. But he has a style that I think fits some of the guys on our team, specifically Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson. Uh, and should help them become even better players. His scheme is very aggressive. It allows a longer guy like Dan Moore Jr., who's strong and big long arms and a big dude uh, with poor footwork and pass blocking to use his length and strength more than his footwork. Uh, by often stepping out and and getting to the the edge rusher quickly and hitting them, knocking them off of the course instead of, you know, following them down the arc and trying to counter whatever moves they do, which is all about footwork and Dan Moore Jr. isn't good at that. Letting him get hands on the guy and, and start the process of blocking them right off the bat, similar to what they do in run blocking, could give him a chance to, to do better in pass blocking than he did last year significantly. So that, that's kind of what he goes for. He's, he's very zone-oriented, as I said before. And one of his keys is guys on his line have to be able to run block while running laterally. That means you're running to your right, and a guy is trying to push you backwards. You have to be able to run to your right and hold that guy off. Like a, like a good outside, you know, zone running kind of play. That's what linemen have to do. That's a key skill set on this team now. In my opinion, that is a key skill set for any 
offensive lineman on this team. And that affects several players currently on the roster and some of the free agents we are looking at possibly losing or resigning. For example, J.C. Hassenhauer, John LeGlue, both played pretty solidly late in the season when the Steelers changed up and simplified their run game to be almost exclusively inside zone and some gap scheme. Much A lot of run up the middle, not a lot of not a lot of what you see with an outside zone kind of movement. They're not the guys that fit this scheme. That's my opinion there. Uh, they obviously could improve that technique if, if the Steelers see the, the ability improve and they see the work being put in. Uh, you can see that improve. We, we saw J.C. Hassenauer go from horrible to, to solid in one season. You know, and uh, young guys can, can improve. It can happen. I don't want to rule that out. But that's a major skill set we're talking about. This person has to be able to run laterally while run blocking. They have to be able to pick up zone reads in the, you know, and block the right guys. You're going to want some experience there. Either a college draft pick or an NFL guy. You're going to be looking for guys who are on teams that run a lot of zone running offense. Outside, split zone. That's what you're looking for. With that, I think they're going to see a couple of changes be necessitated here. Uh, left tackle Dan Moore, I think he's he's locked in. He fits uh, the run game the Steelers want to do, and he he looks like you know the guy they brought Pat Meyer in to, to coach. That that's like really the situation you have there at guard. One of those is going to be Dotson, right? The other guard position, in my opinion, is a big spot to upgrade. In fact, that's my number one spot on the offense, is the right guard position. We don't have anyone there. Literally no one. John LeGlue is the only other guard on the roster other than Kevin Dotson. I don't think Kendrick Green moved to guard. Again, big, strong, long-reaching guys. Especially guards and tackles. That's not Kendrick Green. Kendra Green is an undersized center. Like, if you're putting him at guard, he's going to be more undersized. And if you look at the set, at the guards we, we go for, Kevin Dotson is a big dude. Trey Turner is a very big dude. We like big, strong guards. We don't go for smaller, like, like undersized technique-based guards. We don't go for feisty guards. We like big dudes. That's not Kendra Green. So I don't think Kendrick Green is an option, really, a guard. He could be a swing back up and back up all three interior spots. I kind of think that's where he's going to end up this season in, 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 a, in a good situation and one which he doesn't make a huge leap in his second year. I, I think he's best to be that rotational inside offensive line backup. Right guard, my number one guy to upgrade. Number one spot to upgrade on the offense. At right tackle, this is interesting. We've already heard Kevin Colbert say they want to see more from Zach Banner. I've been kind of vocal about that doesn't mean Zach Banner's your starting tackle. That means Zach Banner is going to make it to training camp and they're going to literally see what he brings to training camp. And they're going to let him compete for a job. And again, 
It doesn't matter what his paycheck is if he doesn't play week one. You you could have a $20 million salary for 2022, but if you are cut before week one, you get none of it. If it's all game checks and it's not special, it's not guaranteed, you get none of it. You get a you get one, it'll be one seventeenth now of whatever your salary is each week that there's a game. If you're cut the day before the game week one, you get nothing. You don't get a game check. You get none of your salary. So it doesn't hurt them to keep Zach Banner around. It's a minor investment. And if they want to see more from him, they will. Banner is interesting because he is another player that fits Pat Myers' approach to pass blocking and to run blocking. Banner can do some zone stuff. He's not bad at it at all. Banner, when he did play against the New York Giants in week one of 2020, was the best run blocker on the field. And that's with David DeCastro. Well, no, it's not with David DeCastro. That's with Marquise Pouncey playing, Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, Kevin Dotson wasn't playing yet. Not a great line, but he was the best run blocker on that line. And then he went out. Him and Kevin Dotson played one snap together. It was a pass play. And then Banner was out for the season and Dotson started playing more. Dotson became the best run blocker on the line. But before that, it was Zach Banner. Banner has the long arms. Banner has the size. Banner is strong. If he can get healthy, he fits what Pat Meyer wants in a tackle. So the Steelers could roll with that. They could. There, there's numbers of players here that they could roll with. Let me let me go through and give you the, the base position. I think left tackle, left guard are set. Right guard, the Steelers have to add somebody, either in the draft or as a veteran. Uh, if they're going to add someone in the draft, I think they still have to sign a veteran. You can't go into the draft saying, we have to draft a top-tier right guard to start. I don't think they make that mistake again. You have to get a veteran who can start either way in free agency. Right tackle, man, if you re-sign Chucks, that's Chucks for that's fine. If you think Zach Banner is an option, go with that, that's fine. But I think the Steelers have to add somebody with with the core four being a free agent. If they re-sign him, the position is is pretty okay, right? You've got a core four and Banner fighting for the right tackle spot again. A core four has started two years in that situation, and Banner has won that job and then got in hurt. Like this is okay. Like like we can deal with this. We can live with this. Center. There's two approaches here. One, you go out and get a good center in free agency, a veteran center who can run that position. The second option is, if you want a Tyler Linderbaum, you don't sign a top-tier dude at center. And I don't want to see signing a center slash guard and being like, oh, if we can get Linderbaum or Kendrick Green has a great season, we can just move that guy over to to guard and you know have a good center and an all-right guard. I don't want that. I want a top-tier guard. My strategy on how I would deal with that, I would make the big signing at right guard, not at center. I would make a minor signing at center, a guy that could be a backup or a center, right? He can be a backup. He can be the starter. He's going to give you a higher floor for Kendrick Green if Kendrick Green flops again. If Kendrick Green comes out and plays significantly better, okay. Then you're you're in good shape, and that guy's your backup. 
you let them be in a position to compete for that starting job. Then if you go into the draft and a Tyler Linderbaum is available, you take him. You take him and you let Kendrick Green and whoever you sign to be kind of that fringe starter center compete for the job. Kendrick Green, if you can't develop, we'll cut you. Dude, we brought in, can you, you know, can you knock out Kendrick Green? Like, like bring that competition with a Tyler Linderbaum as your projected starter. I'd take that. I'd take that nine days out of ten. Like that's that's a great situation to be in. Right tackle, uh, you can again you can add somebody. They, that's a position if you've got banner, uh, if you have you have Joe Hegg, you could go into the offseason with those two as your guard as your right tackle, Zach Banner and Joe Hegg. If you had to. And at that point, you could draft a player at right tackle. That that's kind of what I what I see going on is right guard is your main spot. Center is obviously a spot they have to address with with a player, and then right tackle, they need to bring in somebody, either in the draft or in free agency. But that is the least important of the three. My list goes right guard number one, center number two, right tackle number three. That's it for the first half of our show. Looking at the offensive line, we're gonna take a break. Come back, and we're gonna talk about the defensive line. I was about to give up when I saw you coming outside the door. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. This is The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're checking out all of the Behind the Steel Curtain podcasts and the articles at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com to keep up on all of your latest news. You can follow BTSC on Twitter. Follow them on, there's a Facebook site. We we put out breaking news, just like most places. Uh, we put out all the information you, you expect to hear every offseason. And we bring our own uniqueness to the equation. Uh, and I've always said, I, I, believe, I believe that the group of people that are the members of Behind the Seal Curtain, the fellow readers, commenters, are really the reason this site stands out above a lot of other ones. There's a lot more well-reasoned and intelligent discourse on this site. We get just as many opinions and just as many, you know, angry people as everyone else, but I think we get more than our share of well-thought-out responses and people to talk to. And you can kind of build a little community here of, of good discourse, people who enjoy good discourse on the Steelers. That's why I'm here. That's why I've been around for this site for 13 years now. And I've been writing for it for a couple. Doing these podcasts now for a year. It's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Uh, but mostly I enjoy the Behind the Steel Curtain family. We talked about the offensive line in the first half of this episode. We're going to cover the defensive line. Defensive line doesn't have the same kind of turmoil. If we look at the snap counts from 2021, 
there's some interesting stuff here, but but also I want you to look at how many of these players are coming back or at least under contract. Cameron Hayward led the team in snaps, no surprise. Chris Wormley was number two. Isaiah Loudermill came in number three. Henry Mondo, four. Isaiah Bugs, number five. Montravius Adams, number six. Tyson Alawalu, number seven. Carlos Davis, number eight. And Daniel Archibong, number nine. Of those names, the vast majority are currently under contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. People who aren't Isaiah Bugs, he was cut late in the season, and Montravius Adams, who was a one-year signing two-thirds of the way through the season. Let's. I want to go through and we'll look at these players. Who held up? Who didn't? How did people play? Cameron Hayward, first off, let's get him out of the way. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question. Cameron Hayward is our best defensive lineman last season. Uh, he was the one guy that was really, really good on that defensive line in all phases of the game. Made the Pro Bowl. It, just always a fantastic player, and that didn't change last year at all. He's also under contract through next season. Chris Wormley, number two in snaps. A fine pass rusher got eight sna- eight sacks this year, but he was not even remotely good enough in re- against the run and run blocking. Wow, he was very hit or miss. Uh, if you look at say uh, a, a a site like a PFF, right, where they grade wins and losses and then kind of ignore the middle range snaps, you know, if you kind of look at Chris Wormley under that light. He has a decent number of wins on run defense where he will beat, you know, he's got one guy trying to block him. He beats that guy in the backfield, boom, makes a play, you know, cuts something up, stops it. Good play, positive play, a win for the defense. He has a number of those, but he has far too many plays where you see a single offensive lineman get a hold of him push him three, four yards out of where he needs to hold his ground. And at times, push him into other players. There was a play where they they put a, a double team on him and just drove him and, and kind of threw him. He like It looked like in the film, like he left his feet and landed into Montrevious Adams, blowing out the entire you know guard tackle gap and taking out the nose tackle as well. Like, you can't stop the run. If your dude's, you know, not only not holding his ground, but he's getting pushed into other people, causing them to fail to hold their ground, that's not good. That's that's awful. There are a lot of snaps where Chris Wormley was straight up awful in run defense. There were other ones where he was really good and he won a play. That's, that's who he is. That's who he is. He is very hit or miss with a big bust factor on run defense. Like that boomer bust idea, he's got boom and bust. He's got good plays, and he's got absolutely dreadful plays. After Wormley, you had Isaiah Loudermilk. He was third in snaps on the defensive line as a fifth-round rookie. That's bad. That's a bad situation for the defensive line. He's the opposite of Wormley. He had a lot of good run snaps. No, he didn't have many what you would call like big wins on defense at any spot, really. He was much more solid, held his ground, 
you know, let other players do his things. He could handle a double team decently, not at an NFL level, but for a rookie fifth round pick, you're like, okay, you know, this guy's got good promise. Give him a year in the system and he's going to be solid kind of a player. That's what we're looking for from him in year two. Year one, he was almost that player. He was really close to being that player. Louder milk, similar to Wormley being awful most of the time in run blocking. Louder milk most of the time against the pass rush and in pass rush situations did absolutely nothing. He he did absolutely nothing in the pass rush. Henry Mondo ends up fourth in snaps played behind only Hayward, Wormley, and Loudermilk. Mondo was cut at the start of the season. They cut him from the roster. He didn't make the 53-man roster. I was surprised at that after he had played so much and played well in the preseason. But he brought him back, and he ended up fourth in snaps on the defensive line, about where I expected him to end up at the start of the season. Only Wormley, Hayward, and Henry Mondo had multiple sacks on this defensive line. Mondo also had two tackles for a loss. He had two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and a fumble recovery. He ended the season fourth in snaps, third in sacks and tackles for loss, tied for first in fumble recoveries, and he was fourth on the team on the defensive line in tackles for the season. After not even starting the season on the roster being cut from the team, cut from the 53-man squad and put on their practice squad. Next up, Isaiah Bugs. Injuries eventually cost him his number three lineman spot, and at the end of the season, they cut him. They waived him. He was mostly a run stopper, but after his injury early on, he was struggling. He was getting moved. He wasn't fully healthy, and it showed. Uh, after getting waived like he did, I can't imagine the Steelers are bringing him back. If if you think this is a guy you want for the next season, you find a way to keep him around. Montrevious Adams comes next in snaps. I think it stands out that when a 27-year-old practice squad player from another team comes in and ends up being your second best run defender down the stretch, that's a pretty bad spot to be in. I think it also stands out here that Montrevious Adams and Henry Mondo started the 2021 season on practice squads and ended up being two of the more solid defensive linemen for the Steelers. That's bad. That's that's I mean, we're just talking about the state of what the Steelers were in here, and it wasn't good. Carlos Davis comes in next. Uh injuries cost him his second season. Didn't really do much. He played a few snaps here and there, but that's it. Carlos Davis, we'll see what he can do. He had a promising, he showed some promise in his first season in 2020. Uh, We'll see what he brings in 2021. Last on the snap count list, Daniel Archibong was a (laughs) kind of a desperation play. Uh, He he shouldn't have been in there and he, he correctly wasn't outside of 13 snaps. Changes in the Steelers' scheme and what that could mean for the Steelers' defensive line with the addition of Brian Flores replacing Keith Butler as the outside linebackers coach and what I expect, or linebackers coach, I think he's just straight linebackers coach, uh, and I expect him to re- replace Keith Butler's role of being the primary uh, 
front seven coordinator, right? He's in charge of that kind of like the schemes and stunts and developing that, working with Terrell Austin to develop the offense. He is best known for his his blitzes, his packages, his front seven work. That's that's where Brian Flores shined. I expect him to do that again. The scheme changes we see with Brian Flores is it, it looks like Keith Butler, but doubled down, right? More blitzes. Keith Butler blitzed a lot. Brian Flores blitzes more. Keith Butler loves stunts. Brian Flores runs even more stunts and crazier stunts than Keith Butler reads. Keith Butler came onto the Steelers and focused the defensive line more on penetrating and less on two-gapping and reading the defense. Brian Flores takes that even farther than Keith Butler did. Those are those are those are the first three things that I take away. Everything Keith Butler did that that was kind of, you know, Keith Butler, that's what he was known for, penetrating defensive linemen, not two gapping, blitzing, running stunts a lot. That's Keith Butler's front seven. Brian Flores takes all of that up another notch. He is a big time gambler, loves to blitz, loves to send numbers, loves the hug blitzing that, that Butler would do with linebackers where you would add on if your guy was in blocking. Another thing that stands out with Brian Flores is Brian Flores uses the one tech in stunts or the zero tech, the nose tackle, one tech, zero tech, what we call the nose tackle. Oftentimes in New England and in Miami, he would put a a linebacker up on the line of scrimmage right over center sitting there, you know, at the snap and then stunting somewhere. Did that a lot in dime. But when you look for a player to run stunts, to run this kind of defense, you're talking about because you need speed there. You need speed at that zero tech position on the field. If you look at the nose tackles, the Steelers have had and have signed recently. Carlos Davis, what stands about him is he was fast for a nose tackle, like really fast for a nose tackle. Montrevious Adams, fast for a nose tackle. They bring in these guys. We've been bringing in these athletes at nose tackle. Javon Hargrave was a quick, fast nose tackle. These are the kind of players Brian Flores really wants at nose tackle. So I think there is some some hope. Maybe we bring back Montrevious Adams. Uh, Carlos Davis could show some usage in sub packages being the nose tackle instead of a you know a Tyson Alualu who use your guy on first down. Obviously, first and second down, that's your guy. But if you get into a longer yarded situation, sub out a Tyson Alualu for a Carlos Davis, for a Montrevious Adams, and let him go run. Even a Henry Mondo can do that. Henry Mondo is really good on stunts. That is his skill set strength. The number of sacks you see where he's in there doing stunts with TJ Watt is not small, especially in 2020. They had a lot of those. It, I was doing a his, he first stood out to me as a player to look at when I was doing film on TJ Watt sacks in 2020, and I was writing up you know how many stunts he did and stuff, and I kept seeing the guy with him on those stunts was Henry Mondo. It wasn't Stephon Tuitt. Like Stephon Tuitt and and TJ Watt would stunt, but TJ Watt didn't get as many sacks with Stephon Tuitt on the other side of the stunt as he did with Montrevious. With Henry Mondo, not Montrevious Adams. Henry Mondo. That stood out to me. So these are players that may have more value with Brian Flores. And that's interesting. That's pretty good, right? We like that. Getting more value out of some of these guys. What the Steelers need to add in the offseason is they need to find a run stuffer. 
Like obviously, if you re-sign Montrevious Adams, that helps. That gives you four. You know, if, if Tuit and Alu Alu look to be back, uh, Cameron Hayward, obviously fantastic run stuffer. Montrevious Adams would be your number four guy at that. I want to see some players on the practice squad. I want to see some depth in there that is straight up run stuffers. I mean, like, that's all they do. I don't care about other things. Like, Loudermilk is also a good run stuffer, so maybe that's enough. Maybe five is enough. But last year, we went into the season with five. And we ended up with, like, one of those five still playing. We we ended up with, with Loudermilk and Hayward, two of them. We lost three of those guys last season. Maybe we don't lose three this year, but, man, I, I don't want to... I don't want to risk that, man. I've been I've been on the record saying I want a young, high-end defensive lineman. I understand if the Steelers don't do that. I just think with the age we have on the on the defensive line and Cameron Hayward getting up there, I would love to see us start a transition where we get a mauling high-end defensive lineman to come in there and learn from Cameron Hayward and really, you know take that Steelers legacy and, and continue it when Cam Hayward and, and Stephon Tewitt are gone, when Tyson Aluwalu's gone, someone who can step into that roles, someone who can step into those places and just be a, a mauler of a, of a defensive lineman. Other than that, I think the defensive line is in a good spot. I think it's interesting to see what we're going to see with Brian Flores on the defensive line. I've talked about that here today, but I'm, I'm interested to see just how it applies and how they use some of the players they have on this roster in the preseason and, and also coming into the regular season. I, I hopefully, hopefully, obviously, Hayward, Aluwalu, and Tuit all hold up, and this defense can get back to being one that has a lot of strength in its front line and its defensive line that can dominate, you know, the game like they had 2019 2020 2021 even before then 2017 2018 this is a defensive line that was dominant and here's hoping we can get back there in 2022 that's our show for today thanks for listening hope you have a great week and as always let's go Steelers